Good morning, y'all. What the fuck is up? My name is Willard, and this is Twinkle Dads. Twinkle Dads is an emo advice show. Think of it as a mix between a custom mixtape for you and the advice column in your local newspaper. People, hopefully you, and you probably already have, send in questions asking for advice on anything, whether it be work, relationships, school, life, philosophical quandaries, so on and so forth, whatever it may be. I answer them as openly and as honestly as I can, and then I pair them with a few emo, punk, whatever songs that I believe will help you cope with your situation. Now, I want this show to be about you. It is designed for the listener. Uh, a, a motto of the show, and I think the adverts so far, is we do not have to die alone. And it's built on the belief that if you do not have empathy for yourself and your own problems, then how can you give proper empathy towards others and their problems? No. I always want you to remember that your feelings are safe and okay with me because I want them to be safe and okay with you. If you'd like to send in a question to be answered on a future episode, please email me at twinkledad69 at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter and Instagram at emo advice show. Please feel free to be as open and as guttural as you want. You know, I will answer anything. You know, your identity will be withheld. The priority and focus of the episode will be you and your feelings. Once again, if you would like to send in a question to be answered on a future episode, please email me at twinkledad69 at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter and Instagram at emo advice show. Uh, you may have noticed that the audio quality is so much better. Uh, and I want to say thank you to Corbin for lending me a mic while this podcast gets up on its feet. And so I want to say thank you to him and most importantly to you listening right now that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the past two weeks has just kind of been, I've been a bit absent. Uh, definitely a lot of life stuff, I think, with moving and all, which was discussed in the last episode. You know, it very much caught me in a whirlwind of my own. And it was funny because as I was doing the prep for this episode, I I felt two very conflicting feelings. One, I felt like shit for the two people who sent in questions that I simply took too long to answer them. You know, I one of them I quite literally did, but we'll discuss that Um so I want to say sorry to you, like genuinely from the bottom of my heart, because reaching out to a person, especially on this public of a platform and to essentially kind of get ghosted or what you think is ghosted fucking sucks, you know, fucking sucks for anybody. <laughs> and so, you know, I am deeply sorry and I hope that it doesn't break our relationship, you know, and on the other side, on the other hand, the the other strong feeling I had is excitement because I kind of missed you. I missed talking about problems this way and just giving ourselves a space to do so and to meditate on it all. So I want to say thank you for waiting this long. I want to say thank you for listening and 
you know, I'm excited just to get into it. I think also with the upgraded mic, the exciting part about it is I think the like the intention of this podcast is try to break down as many boundaries between you and I as possible and like barriers, not boundaries, barriers. And I think when you listen to a podcast and you want to feel like that person's here, but you can hear like the fuzz of their microphone, it takes it away a little. So I like that since now my voice is clear, I hope it makes the relationship between you and I more personal. And I want it. You're safe. This is a safe space. And this entire thing is just meant with only love. Today we have two questions. Uh, the first one I will admit is very heavy. It deals with family abuse, abusive relationships, and mental illness, including but not limited to bipolar, schizo, yes, yeah, schizoaffective disorder, and borderline. If you are uncomfortable listening to that subject, please feel free to skip ahead or not listen to it at all. And then afterwards is we're just talking about roommate problems. That's it. A little bit of a change of pace, but I'm excited and I hope you are excited too. Uh, so yeah, the song to kick this episode off is not emo because emo doesn't really drop at the beginning of the year. There's a Swiss army wife, uh, LP, which is cool because which is really cool and it's getting a lot of attention, which is sick. But I already played a track off of that. I wish I could play a track off of it every week. So instead, we pivoted towards, I think, one of my personal, like, favorite new and upcoming bands called Cockring. Uh, they're a Sacramento hardcore band that met on a gay dating app. And, you know, queer hardcore is just so, I think, freeing and especially with how Cockring has gone about it in both in their demo from last year and now they're split with Fast Case. But I think this song that I'll be playing, which is the first track off of their side of the split called The Cage, you know, it's freeing. I wanted to give us a burst of energy and to let out, let it all out before we address what will be a very heavy and complicated and complex situation. So when you listen to the song, just take a deep breath and let your wildest parts of your mind run free. This is The Cage by Cockring, followed by our first question. Thank you so much. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Dear Mr. Twiddledad, I'm 19, and while I've only had the diagnosis for a year, I've probably been clinically depressed since I was about 10 through 12. It's been a lot of abuse growing up from almost everyone in my life, from my mother to my grandmother, father to grandfather figures. It's nearly been the same. The only piece of respite I had in my life was my older sister for a long time. Almost my entire life, she was there until she wasn't. 2020, she just passed. Sooner than anything. Not due to COVID either. Just something completely out of nowhere, it felt. She was there. And then there was the screaming. The panic. The rushing to get her on a flat surface to perform CPR. She had a spina bifida. So it wasn't as easy as it should have been. But we managed. CPR went on as I tried to explain to the operator while I performed it through a broken voice and a flood of tears. Honestly, while I know it's only their job and they need the information, holy shit, I wish that lady would have been kinder. My sister was dying in front of me. And while I was begging him, begging in my mind, begging to God that if he's out there, please, not that day, any other day, not that one, please. Yet there was no answer to my prayers, just the operator becoming more irritable as I struggled to get out counts through my staggered breath and tears. She passed three days later, and for a long time I was empty. I let someone take advantage of me in my depressive state and fell deeper into it. My misery became comfortable, and with no one else there for me, it almost became a friend. Months later, I found someone else. I'll refer to her as Mags. They coaxed me out of leaving my abusive relationship, and eventually I asked them out. I had known them for a while as acquaintances, and I wish I had known her sooner. Things have happened to her, things I'm not privileged to speak of, but I wish I had been there. Knowing if I would have been there, if I would have reached out sooner and tried to be her sooner despite my fears I could have prevented things is rough. I'm glad she made it through, however. I'm extremely glad because she was amazing. Everyone has their problems and issues, but she accepted mine. I should have known that things wouldn't last, though. From the first, mi- not f- from the first fight a month in, I should have known we would have problems. Unfortunately, the person I was with before, Mags, we'll call her Jess, was, for lack of better term, a piece of shit. Diagnosed BPD and refusal to take meds, lying about everything, even the basic fundamental knowledge behind our relationship, threatening me with suicide, etc. Unfortunately, I was so desperate for someone to be there, I let her continue with her behavior until I cut her off. Months later, and a few new accounts later, she finally got through to me one night. Random message off Discord of all things while I was on the phone with Mags and some friends from class. No clue who it was. Of course, eventually, things clicked when I got a picture of a bottle of pills and of self-harm imagery. It was Jess, and after a video of her downing pills and dozens of messages blaming me, going into detail on how they would say I, I assaulted them, used them, battered them, and left them to kill themselves alone, how they would ruin my life if they couldn't have me, and how if they were dead, I would rot in jail. Understandably, bullshit and extreme. 
Emotions flared, however. I explained myself to Mags and her friends, excused myself, and tried to handle everything at once. Alone. Again. It was horrible. A phone call of yelling, using every horrible tactic in the book to force the pills out of her stomach. The squelching of her vomiting into the toilet. The splashes of water. Everything fucking sucked. Mags blamed me, and I guess it was my fault. I could have let someone possibly die that night, but I just didn't for some reason. Despite everything Jess had done, she deserved to at least live to try to make it right for someone else. Not that she really got better. Me and Mags were together almost three years. Rocky, two undiagnosed mentally ill teens trying to navigate everything. She was with me through undiagnosed schizos episodes through my homelessness. She took me in. We worked together, cleaned together, loved together. Everything everything just for her to cheat on me every night when I would go to sleep with a guy from Norway. Why? I didn't love her enough. It hurts. After everything, I'm still desperate for Mags. Three years of ups and downs, of extreme, wholehearted love gone. I can feel it. It feels like I'm addicted to people's potential. Mags is amazing. The most beautiful girl I've met inside and out while her illnesses aren't controlling her. However, once again, borderline personality disorder takes, it t- takes its toll. Honestly, as pathetic and wrong as this is, sometimes I hate her. I hate people with BPD. For perspective, I'm schizoaffective with a lot of bipolar tendencies. Somehow, despite everything I see and think, I just, I manage to control myself. It just hurts that everyone has to deal with you. Everyone has to cave to your needs. Everyone has to understand it's just BPD and splitting. We don't actually mean it. Fuck off. How come you never apologize for your actions? At this point, it's just abuse. And honestly, I'm tired. I'm getting tired of other people with illnesses letting it control them and get to a point that they'll abuse someone just as they've been abused instead of just trying to work on themselves. The whole fucking mindset of if you don't like it, leave is extremely bullshit. Fuck off with that. You would rather throw everything away than just change. It's those things that get to me. On top of everything else, being abused for trying to love, support, help someone is extremely difficult and draining. Having to deal with my own illness, then deal with her outbursts and mistreatment of me constantly is exhausting. I just want her. I just want change. I just want to be happy with her again. I know it seems crazy, and maybe we're just trauma bonded together, and having listened to your other podcasts and how one may find love better hurts. What could be better than her? When she's good, she's perfect. However, the shitty things are entirely too shitty. It's such a conundrum and it makes my head split into two. I hope to write in every so often if that's all right. Side note, it completely is. Uh, not end this early, but yes, once again, this avenue is completely open for you always. Honestly, there isn't much in my life to keep me going and fewer people to talk to. Hopefully, as an internet stranger, you'll understand and maybe care more than those around me I've reached out to. I don't know what method to take to fix this, or if at this point I just have to leave. 
Three years is a long time for us. I mean, I spent almost all of high school with her. How do I just leave? Knowing how good she could be if she would just stop letting her illness control her. It just hurts more than anyone could ever understand. Especially when I could fill endless books cover to cover, writing how much I love her and still run out of space. Thank you, Artie. Let's take a deep breath in real quick and then let it out. First and foremost, I really want to say, like, sorry, but like, thank you so much. Thank you for being so open about this and about your relationships and using this as an avenue, such a public platform. Uh, it's brave. It's a lot of courage that I know I don't have. Um, so I've, and I know a lot of other people don't. And so I wanted to say, you know, thank you. And that I'm like truly very sorry for everything you've been through. Uh, like, holy fuck. Like not from like an outside perspective, but also as someone who's been like in similar situations mentioned in this, you know, fuck dude. It just, it just weighs so heavy on the fucking heart. Uh, and there is like a lot one can say hypothetically, whether it be from a clinical or personal perspective. Um, and so because of that, I'm splitting this into two parts. I think the first part is going to be more, more abridged and, and you'll see why. And then we'll talk about what I believe you should do, but um, you provide provide really interesting commentary and good points about like mental illness discourse and what and like how mental illness is handled especially with psychotic behaviors i mentioned this once i believe on a previous episode but you know right now in 2023 we're going through a wave of like mental illness intersectionality but it truly feels like it's only intersectional to those with the very general disorders, not not implying that like anyone's more valid because it's all it's just simply we all go through different things. And I think because of that, there is not enough of there's not enough knowledge or understanding of what it is to be someone with a schizo disorder or um, someone with BPD interacting with each other. You know, it's just all like very complicated math that we're just now trying to figure out what the language is. And I, you, like not a good tough love, but I, I do just kind of like want to address one thing that I believe is overall very harmful to not only you, but also Mags and even Jess, uh, even though Jess is clearly not the best person in the world. Um, and it's the, um, it's you saying that you hate people with BPD and you know, borderline is truly such a motherfucker. Um, whether you're dealing with it or you have it because, you know, from even back when Thomas Saws wrote his uh, book about the myth of mental illness, Oh, it says a mental illness is in fact real, but it's something we can't scientifically prove. 
the only thing there is evi- like scientific or physical evidence of are people with um, borderline. And that's like one of the things that you can actually prove through brain patterns. And I think because of it, like the symptoms are like so clear that you can almost like nail them down textbook, but because of it, it's just so intense. They go through so much fucking pain, you know, and there is you, you, you know, you ask like, why can't they just change all this and go back to just like fucking hating them where it's just like, at that point, it's like, are you hating the person or are you hating the illness? Because truly, especially with mags, a lot of the things that you say that you hate is just literally common signs of borderline. You know, it isn't them as a person. It's just what they have. They aren't borderline. They have borderline. And and say, hey, in generalization, you know, it kind of dehumanizes them, which, you know, like just moving forward is maybe not the best. And I think for you, because it also like how you dehumanize and humanize things should help you figure out whether or not you should try to like refix the relationship or let it go. Um, and we'll talk about it more. But, you know, I just think like that is just maybe not a healthy thing. Uh, it is your feelings. And I feel like it's very, very valid. But, you know, there there is just this uh, funny but where, you know, when you say shit like that, when one says shit like that, um, it makes the other person being talked to made out not to be like a real person. And of course, if you were put in that shoes and, you know, people with schizo disorders, you know, we're all in the fucking same boat of uh, people love to shit on us. Oh, sweet. A schizo thread, you know, shit like that, which is just kind of horrible and very dismissive uh, to feel in that, like, you know, behavior like that, you know, definitely dismisses who they are as a person, especially when you had positive experiences with Max, you know, and so. Moving forward, and it will lead into what we talk about after I play the two songs to help you. Do you view Mags as a real person? Are they just a character, an exaggeration of everything you love and everything you hate about them? Or are they a real physical human being like you? Um, and I don't mean that as a tough love because I really do care about you. And I think that, you know, that's something that will help. You know, like, you know, yeah, it's something that helped me in the past. And I believe it's something that can help you because it's just a way to fucking put the, you know, a change in philosophy, a way to put your shit into focus. And so I picked these next two songs to simply just be to simply allow yourself to meditate on your feelings and situations to process before we solve it. Uh, the first one is the song for you and about you. It's Ghost Song 2 by Nest Lake. Very depressing, very introspective. Um, it fully straight up is about suicide. Uh, but it's very sweet and very somber. And I think after such a cathartic question, we just need a cathartic song. Something low tempo. Then following that is Kill Me by Poster and the Grizzly. And I want that song to be for you but about Mags. 
Uh, it's like the Blink-182 version of Ghost Song 2. Um, and just, I can say, speak a lot about both of these songs, and I might, but just sit with it. This is Ghost Song 2 by Ness Lake, followed by Posture and the Grizzlies' Kill Me. Thank you, RD. I, I love you so much, and please stick around. Bye-bye. You get Push your glasses back to the bridge of your nose A piece of scotch tape comes up as your hand goes Back to your sides subconsciously I think it you do Harry Potter
Hi, pal. Welcome back. Did y'all enjoy the music? I did. And I think, um, I guess just really how did that make you feel? Uh, very, very meditative songs on opposite sides of the spectrum of that word. You know, you have the very somber and slow, almost just kind of cold uh, portrayal of fucking uh, depression from Nestlake, followed by the kind of that punchy Blink-182-ness of Posture and the Grizzly. And like both of them are communicating, you know, that hurt heart. You know, Nest in the Nestlake song, it's your hurt heart. It's the idea of just kind of walking around and fucking watching as everything's below you and you could just jump. And it's that very real and slow pain contrasted with the very almost just kind of like nasally whiny navel gaze and punchiness and alertness of kill me. And it's just like, you know, weirdly addictive, maybe not the most positive way to address your problems, but it's effective and it's okay to dive into those feelings sometime, especially when it relates to how another person has hurt you. And so, Artie, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like my answer is probably way more simple than I expected it than either of us expected it but how did you answer that question i asked you do you view mags as a real person or a caricature because it feels like the answer is the latter at least from like how it's been demonstrated you know you use a lot of was in your language you know and that's just yeah that that implies past tense and there's like always a funny contrast where I think, you know, if it was truly subconsciously positive for you, when you're like, when you sent him that question, it was almost like you would lead with the problems first. You know, you would talk about how she cheated on you, about how her borderline splits were very aggressive and hurt you. But at the end of the day, she was someone you loved that you cared about. You know, instead, the majority of it was you loved and you cared about her and was there for you, but she did all these things that could hurt you. And so when you phrase it like that, it was just, I heard a lot of, I love you, but, you know, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry, you know, and I'm not saying you are like lying to yourself about your own emotions because you can't figure out whether you fucking love somebody in a day. You know, like it's clearly a thing that's been pressing you. And it's a very complex and like gigantic web of understandings. But, you know, I feel like it's just kind of right there. You know, you, you are far in your mental illness and your journey through everything that you've been through. And of course... Shitty things are going to continue to happen, but you've already kind of been through the shittiest, you know, and you deserve better, and therefore you should allow yourself to get better. And, you know, I genuinely feel a sense of that you are over, you're not over her necessarily, but you're done with it. And 
it's not something that will go away. You know, like what you mentioned before about the abuse that you experienced or, you know, all the things that Jess did you. All love lives and lingers like a type of trauma. Trauma, you just can't get away. You just learn how to deal with it. And I think, you know, by asking you that caricature question, you know, I think it provides a good point. Um, Because how do you, like, interact with a caricature of something you hate? You know, if it's all just exaggerated characteristics of how she has hurt you in the past, if you were with her in that room again, it's not going to be calm. It's not going to be real. It's almost like you would be talking to a concept or an idea. You know, at this point, she doesn't sound real to you. And so, you know, I guess it's twofold for her not saying she isn't a real person, but it's how her perspective understands. Because sometimes people just render things so wrong that you can't give them the respect a person deserves. And it feels like you can't give Mags the respect that she deserves outside of everything that she has done to hurt you, Um, which is okay. Like that's we all fucking do that. Actually, Um, a lot of people just kind of let it fester and continue to grow into a problem. You know, and you, you just like, if you can't see eye to eye with a person, whether like, you know, if you see them either below or above, you know, and then it's like for your own sake, for her sake, you know, it's tough for anybody to be in a room where you just know that that person has a lot of fucked up feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Very valid fucked up feelings. Um, And that, you know, because of how she has operated everything so far, she won't respond well. Especially if you reach out, she won't respond well. If she splits or is like in an up mood, it's not suggesting anything for the long term. And I think for yourself, you have come just so far. And that by getting out all the toxic feelings and like all just that anger and that bitterness, because, you know, you can give out your love. You can give out your love any day. But, you know, you used a lot of hate and hate is such a strong feeling that, you know, by doling out all of the negative feelings, it's like you receive it as well. Because as you're spitting it out of your mouth, those feelings just kind of corrode through your brain, down your spine, into your body, you know, and it will probably make you make you feel like a rotten egg, you know, like, and that is just simply such a long term thing. No one really knows how to solve. And I think, you know, you deserve, you deserve so much. You, you fuck everyone, you, everyone in this situation would deserve better. And you fucking deserve um, better. And I'm not, but like deserve better in a sense. Please still feel the feelings that you have. If that makes sense, you know, you don't have to unwrite them necessarily, you know, but it's like figuring out, I think how to deal. And I, 
the most the most effective way I could suggest to you that might work, might not. Hopefully you'll let me know in the future is deal it through your, I think, deal it through introspective. And I think allow yourself to study yourself. The, the diagnoses that you have are just, you know, it's very interesting because it kind of gives you, um, it, it gives you a really weird freedom to explore yourself. You know, most people in the schizo tree have non-standard thought patterns. And because of that, the introspective and webs that you can fucking dig into, it's like, it's a lot. And I think when something that has helped me in the past and will help you, especially it's like assess yourself first and foremost, prioritize yourself, treat yourself king. <laughs> so sorry a bit of a tonal break um and i think assess because assess what you mean uh, regarding the situation express what you've done wrong because we all do wrong in relationships address what you've done wrong and figure out how to improve it not only for yourself if you're out of life, so the next time you find love, because it will get, you know, I hate to say it, it will get better. And you probably want to, like, you probably will fucking disagree with that now, but when it gets better, it gets better. <laughs> um, you, know, dude. you know, it allows you to not only, I think, just help you help you figure out how to, your illnesses interact with another's but to set boundaries and to know that, you know, you won't get fucking treated like this, you know, you won't have what Jess did to you again. You won't have the fucking heartbreak and the excuses that Max gave you. You know, you will get what you give and you'll get what you want. And in terms of dealings, like, and so, so in the meanwhile, when if you do go through that type of meditation, what you can do to get rid of it, like to get it is you probably like inferring. We all do. Um, you probably still have items or things that were tied to your previous relationship with mags. Yes. Fuck it. Burn it. Get rid of it. Destroy it. Cause I also think that those items and inadvertently, those items, those texts, those pictures, you have saved everything. They're items that haunt you. They're homes of ghosts, if that makes sense. And by having that item, and if you have, have that item in a nightstand or a closet, the ghost will continue to flood your mind whenever you see it. everything that happened of possible love or whatever. And essentially, those are just tiny little triggers that will not help you or the situation in the end. Um, it's okay to burn shit. It, dude, it's so freeing. It is one of the most freeing feelings. And I want you to feel free. Because, you know, it's like a bit of a hope. Like, you know, like a lot of people feel hopeless in that situation. And I think even you reaching out, it's just like, and you talking about how much you've overcome, both like internally and externally. Like, you got this. I think you are truly on a good track. 
you know, with the way you talk about it, it'll just, it'll just take some time. But you are special and you are sweet. And like, if you need any help in the future, truly reach back out and just burn it all. And don't ever feel like you need to suppress your feelings. But if there's a feeling you have that feels icky deep and down inside of you, it's okay to change it. What makes humans beautiful is capable of growing. And whether it be Jess or Mags, I feel like something you say about them, not saying that this is a BPD thing, but just beyond it, it's just like they haven't grown. They don't grow. There's like love and there's like, but like there's just that dysfunction that just kind of permeates. And, you know, that fucking guy from Norway, whatever he's dealing with, you know, you only, you only got masks at like the fucking onset of it. Like, wait, you know, you could be much, much worse off. But instead, you sound like a champ. And so I picked these last two songs because they really are about just kind of like embracing it, embracing those emotions embracing those ghosts that haunt and that you can change it and still look up even at a very low place if that makes sense the two songs that i pick the first one is sub muscles something about ghosts um i recommend looking at the lyrics on Bandcamp when listening to it because it's just so punchy and the screams and the vocals and the refrains because it's about ghosts it's about ghosts killing ghosts and feeling nothing in the presence of them, which is okay. And it's okay to let it all out. And followed by that is loveliness, parentheses, bug song by Spirit Desire, which is one of those like hopeless, like very fun and joyful nihilistic songs. You know, it's depressing at the end of the day, but I want the tone in that song to remind you that it's okay. Because Artie, it's okay and it'll get better. It'll get better. Okay. So first is Sup Muscles, Something About Ghosts, followed by Spirit Desires, Loveliness, Bug Song. I love you. Thank you so much for everything. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Dear Twinkle Dad, my roommate is an asshole. There are many ways where he is decent, but he treats one of my roommates especially poorly, which is unforgivable. He constantly misgenders one of my roommates, and when asked to respect this boundary, he responds very aggressively and with disrespect. I know if we confront him, he'll only be more of an ass about it. We have five months left on the lease, and it seems like it's at a breaking point. Is it worth picking a fight over and trying to remediate the clearly unsafe space, or should we just bear with it? Feel free to modify it to your needs and format. Thank you. Uh, if you heard me chuckling that, because the uh, it's because of the next message, um, like a week later, over a week later, is actually I have a revision to that one because we did it and it went poorly. <laughs> um, so we all knew, I think, what it came over, like what what it came to, and um, you know what? I don't necessarily disagree with that action. Um, because if we talk about the idea of a home space first, it's like, you know, I think with roommates, what sucks, it's like, there is just a bunch of like legal hooey booey to it. If that makes sense. Like you can't, although it has happened in the past, you can't like really just kick out people because their name is fully on a lease. You know, a lot of it is just like within the the right of their own. And so I think, you know, a question I have, because surely this will lead to more conflict and disagreement in the future. You know, do you think this person is like capable of changing? Like, what is the exact reason why they decide to like consistently respond to being a, being confronted about this issue in like that way, you know, the very disrespectful and mean and downtrodden way, you know? So if it's misgendering, then it's just straight, like, you know, uh, like transphobia or just, um, fucked up shit like that. Nor I think like, what's the re like, you know, what's the reason, but, um, and are they t the type to sue if you just kind of strong arm them out of there, uh, which is also just a very horrible way to think about it. But it's, you know, it's true. You know, the idea of a home is not just a place where you live, but it's like your own culture. It's like an own area of socialization. And it's for all those in there. And. You know, there are many different types of homes. You know, you can think about like dorm halls and stuff and how the socialization in there was just like, you know, ignorant kids like living on their own for the first time. And it's like now when you just like have an apartment and you have leases and all that, there is a much more of a selective understanding of what you like, what you can cultivate and the environment and the setting that you're capable of fostering. And a lot of it is really your own choice. The people you pick, the people you let in, you know, and the people you decide to bar out. And so, you know, when someone unexpectedly brings harm, and I use the term unexpectedly because why the fuck would you ever? We're <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah, I actually know this is going to happen. And it sounds like a really great idea. 
I love conflict. I want to fight about this in the future. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, like, like you said, there, there are some nice things about him. Like he is not like holistically terrible, you know, just that the crux of the conflict that y'all seem to have with him, you know, deals with like that, not letting up. Like he's not willing to change or modify his behavior, his understandings, his actions, whatever. He's not willing to change that for the culture, for the house. I I don't know why I used for the culture, but like for the culture of the house. And, you know, at that point, this is also such a horrible thing to say, but like, you know, like I, I definitely would get fighting because there's no good way to go about it. You know, because it also feels very much like he. As a mi- minority, hopefully your other roommates are upset by his behavior. You know, he's asking you to play on his court and his rules. But the majority like, you know, like, is there a way to communicate that that shouldn't be that way. Like that. If you are a majority household. Against a singular person. And their actions. And their thoughts. Then let them know that. You know at that point. It's their rules. Because it's the rules of the house. You know it's the rules. Of the environment. And. Us as humans can only do so much, you know, and you in that situation truly can fucking do only so much when that other person really isn't giving you that much. You know, it's such a complicated situation because it's between like, you know, you can't magically solve this with a snap of fingers. You always hope people can change. Sometimes they don't. Shit out of luck. Yeah. And you can only hope that over time it gets better and that he just wakes up one morning is like freaky Friday with someone who doesn't like, you know, misgender, but you know, it's seems like you said, if it's like reaching a breaking point, it's harming the quality of life for not only the house, but like the people inside it individually and together, you know, like that, that blast radius of harm damages like a lot more than like you would think. And so at that point when it's just kind of everyone's relationships and well-being on the line against ones, you know, to look at it very coldly, the fucking, the net analysis of that is that you would obviously kind of let that one, that one caustic agent of harm go whether it be through confrontation through fighting like you know like they're talking to 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 kicking him out even um because that simply is like what will do best for harm reduction and it's by creating harm at that point when you're already in an environment of harm you, you, we are just left here, like, you know, we have to react to harm, hurt people, hurt people. 
um, it might be one of the strangest contexts that's ever been put into. And it's just like, like, what else do you do? As much as you could just like withhold and respect if like, you know, that person, it seems like they're violating boundaries and with boundaries violated, it's like you can't you, you no human is in reality is going to let that go. Yeah, I, like. I, I can't holier than thou that situation. I no one can. You know, unless you're fucking like Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil's going to give you shitty advice. You know, it's really like a lose-lose situation. Even before you had sent me the update that it was a, it was a loss. Very interested in um, knowing how, you know, because um, Rubei fights are like the fight. Like, I'm imagining him like throwing fucking forks. Like you can't use the wrong pronoun, so you start just fucking hauling silverware. Or if it was like more of like a screaming match, but like you know, at the end of the day, it's like, is that is that the thing you should do? Obviously not. But what else is there to do? You know, you you are just kind of left to nothing else. And for the person who is getting disrespected majorly by him. You know, I think it's important to confront him because you're harming someone else. You know, and people who just try to dodge accountability, you know, from that people uh, assume is just kind of denying or being like, who cares? It's like you can take the vindictive route of being like, okay, here's what it's like, dipshit, fuck you. Like, and start treating him poorly, or you could just like, you know, find a way. There's there's no way to actually like let that disrespect of another human slide. You know, and so it's like I once again, it's just like I can't blame you. I, I, I w- almost would have recommended a confrontation or at least talking to him or find this space or whatever. You know, and so. With five months, it's just like. Yeah, I mean, you can live in awkward space. You can find ways to take more time out. Or you can, like, you, you, you like, is he off the lease? Like, what is he going to do? I really am just kind of left with more questions, you know? And, and I think just hopefully that'll help you. But, like, also just know that you really aren't alone in that situation. You know, other houses have done similar things like that when, like, confronting a singular roommate and... You know, like I like almost just like thank you, thank you all for everyone. You, you you can tell them this. You can tell them that an internet uh, stranger slash mutual or whatever um, has thought about your situation pretty often for the past two weeks, and you know just really wants to say thank you that y'all are actually sick for trying to do something about it. You know, it's very important. Shout out to the people protecting your roommate who obviously deserves to be treated better. By whatever he that that dipshit's fucking doing, um, you know, and it's just like, you know, thank you for to that roommate who has been through a lot and will sadly probably go through more. You know, it's just like truly like only my heart and like feelings for because to feel disrespected in your own space and in your own community is fucking garbage. Oh my goodness, like that is just so so fucking sucky 
And the fact that you're still here and trucking through it, you know, that takes a lot of strength. And always remember that you are strong. And the people who stood up for you are strong. And that you who sent in the question, you other, you are strong. You know, and I like, like, you know, like, thank you. At the end of the day, it's like simply just like, thank you for doing something about it. Um, advice moving forward, it's like, you know, like, fuck, fuck if I know, dude, <laughs> like, you know, it's, we're, we're in DEFCON 5, like, and I think now moving, yeah, you can, now it's the best time is trying to set as many boundaries as you can that you believe y'all could follow so that it's just like not any more awkward or dangerous or harmful to anybody, you know, whether that's just like. Not a go overkill, but understanding each other's schedules, knowing like when to step in, when to step out in common spaces, all that. Or if that person decides to move out, hopefully they do break the lease, fuck it, cover the rent. Um, you know, just let. Just figure out, just prioritize y'all's needs. And I would say, like, you know, I, I presume you have been in constant conversation with your roommates, but talk about like individually what would make y'all feel better about it? And together as a whole, how can y'all move forward? You know, it's always nice to have a fun little coffee date. You know, it's always nice to just try to figure things out and just realize that, you know, not only are there, are, are you guys there to like live, but you are there for each other and remain to be there for each other. Even when you are feel stuck in a situation like this, I hope this helped. It probably did it. I mean, there's not really much you can do now, but I think just like looking forward, I always remember that like one, it always looks up Millhouse, And two, I think if y'all had the strength to confront them in the first place, y'all had the strength to get through this. So yeah, please. I can Venmo. S send me your Venmo. <laughs> I'll cover a coffee. Uh, I'll cover multiple coffees even. And because it's on you. Thank y'all for doing stuff that a lot of people will try to avoid, especially in their own housing situations. And because of that, it only creates more harm than good. Shout out to y'all for trying to create good. We're going to, I think, just not only end this question, but end this episode with um, three songs, three songs that please feel free to share with your roommates in this situation, uh, excluding that dipshit um, that I hope and brings you just some solace and it's like it's you know it's hard to articulate but these are three songs that make me feel like the idea of just being stuck uh, the first one is by the band uh, p uh, and it's called treed which apparently is an expression to being stuck when you're like treed like a cat in a tree um, but it's really good. It's very heavy on riffs, and I think it's just cathartic enough just about being stuck because that's such a weird feeling to communicate. Uh, followed by that is the song Please by Wraith Falls. Um, and I picked it like mainly one I like sonically, like lo-fi, you know, very Alex G, the type of like loopy recording, but the idea of just please, not like P-L-E. A S E, but with like out the last E, like the pleas of being heard and the pleas to this roommate to just like fucking get off of his high horse. Um, and followed by that, and I think to end it off, 
It's a very overlooked scream out emo punk song that I think just the riff is very resonating. The instrumental parts and just kind of how punchy and chuggy it is just kind of rings through and, you know, and asks the question in its title, do you ever wish you could breathe underwater? And so when you're living in a house and it feels like y'all are drowning under all these unspoken feelings, do y'all ever wish you could breathe underwater? And it's by the band Make Me, for old New Jersey defunct band. Um, that's sick. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. Thank you for everything, too, who just sent in the question. I really hope it goes well. Just let me know how it goes. And if you want to talk to me in the future, please, you can always email me at twinkledad69 at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter and Instagram at emo device show. It would mean the world. I hope you have such a good rest of your day and the rest of your life. And I'll happily see you next time. Thank you. I love you and I'll miss you. Bye-bye.